question isn't whether or not Ben Gamble should be brought back next year. The question is, why in the world wouldn't you? Good morning. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Pirates, mostly through Gamble, beat the Detroit Tigers 3-2 to last night at PNC Park. I was over there to cover it, and I swear I could feel the place shake when Gamble went crashing, and I mean crashing, into the left field fence to make a catch that ended up feeling emblematic of the whole evening. It was outstanding. I, I can't believe still that he bounced himself back up off the warning track and flipped the ball to the handful of fans that were over there in the bleachers, ended an inning, and in a one-run game, he saved a run. And that's to say nothing of accumulating three hits at the plate, including a two-run, two-out single that gave the Pirates the lead for good. This dude's been playing ball all year since his arrival. It's nice to see of late, especially after that ridiculous Superman diving catch where he cut up his arm at Wrigley Field over the weekend. He's getting some national notoriety, which isn't easy to do when you're playing for a last place team. But he's been getting appreciated within the Pirates uh, in, in ways that are difficult to express for some, but... I asked Gamble after this game, like, basically, dude, what are you doing out there? Can anybody ever tell you that to, like, cool it or anything or to not be running into walls and diving like that? Yeah, my dad. My dad always says, hey, we've got to see another day. And it's like, well, i got to make a play for my guys. So He'd later go on to say that it was his dad's birthday and he was glad that he did that, made this catch and had this kind of game for his dad. And that's that's all really cool. Uh, it, it is. This guy has just been, in a way, a breath of fresh air, which is going to sound a little strange considering he's 29 years old. He's something of a known commodity in the game. But if you'll rewind back to the early months of this season when it was Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler, and I can't even remember all the other outfielders in the DFA parade, but they just kept coming and going and coming and going. And when Gamble came along, he was just another guy. At least that's how it felt. And then, lo and behold, he, unlike all the others, hit the baseball and caught the baseball and played really, really hard. And that's something that you kind of need, you know? You need that in your organization, regardless of where you are in a building phase, because it sets an example for everyone the whole way down. Derek Shelton addressed that very thing after this game. 
I think it's extremely good for a young team. I mean, he fits right into our culture. This guy plays hard. He has intensity to him. And, you know, for a guy that we brought in that had, you know, five years big league service time, and uh, he plays the game exactly the way we want our culture to be. So can the Pirates keep him? Should they keep him? Again, these to me are no-brainer questions. Turn it the other way around and ask yourself, what in the world would have to get into Ben Charrington and his staff to not keep him? Let me tell you what Gamble's specifics are as far as his contract. He's not a free agent this winter. The Pirates only need to tender him a deal through his third year of arbitration and sign him that way. He can't hit an open market unless they fail to tender him. And given that he was only making $1.5 million this year, and yeah, I know we'd all like to be making $1.5 million, so it's always uncomfortable using the word only, but there's context to everything, okay? Only $1.5 million. Nothing about this season is going to cause his numbers to jump astronomically in an arbitration setting. If they double, he'll be $3 million, which you'd be ecstatic to pay for a really usable fourth outfielder, which is what Gamble could be, even on a contender. But especially when you think that, you know, you might need the guy a lot more often than that, because let's face it, there's a reason the Pirates had that DFA parade earlier this year. They don't have much of anything coming in the way of outfielders. We're talking about at Indianapolis, Jared Oliva, who's had a nice little hot run lately, but hasn't done anything, anything, like one game in the majors where you'd say, whoa, hey, got to give this kid a chance. He's done nothing. Travis Swaggerty, who probably would have spent part of the year in Pittsburgh had he not gotten hurt uh, and been out for the season early on with Indianapolis, He'll be back, but he'll be coming off a major shoulder injury, and I don't know that too many people were super excited about him anyway. Gamble, I, I can't think of a better word than it. He's, he's a no-brainer. You have to bring him back. Oh, also this. He wants to come back. I love it here. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about the guys in that clubhouse, and they compete every day. Obviously, you know, we haven't won as many games as we'd like to this year, but you know, it's been fun every single day coming to the field and grinding with these this group of guys has been a, it's been a blessing. So listen to the man. Tender him an offer. Won't cost much. There's obviously a lot of money there that's sitting unspent. So go ahead and spend it on a guy who's playing this hard, even if it's just for another year. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone. If you haven't experienced Steak on a Stone, understand right here that it's an experience. They bring you the steak somewhat cooked. They get it started for you, but you've got to do the rest. So you get it 
just the way you want it. You cut it up, slice it, lay it on its side, do it however it is that you like. You can test your own cooking skills. Comes on an 800 degree stone. Like I said, an experience. Visit North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. John Grachowski has today's J1Q. He asks, in your opinion, are the Pirates hitting better since Rick Eckstein was fired? I know Chicago was messy, but there have been a lot of 6-5 type games in there and since. Um, John, the impact of a hitting coach goes so, so, so far beyond any small patch of games, and that goes in either direction. If the Pirates were to completely whiff over the coming week and just be terrible offensively, and heaven knows there's precedent for that, it wouldn't be because, oh no, they've lost their hitting coach. Uh, Eckstein is not the answer. I've believed that for quite a while now. I loved a lot of what he did in 2019. I believe that the rest of the National League found an answer for it rather quickly and rather aggressively and authoritatively, and he was left with no counterpunch. And as a result, you saw time and again hitters who weren't really their own hitters, meaning someone like a Brian Reynolds or an Adam Frazier who grew up hitting, you know? I I mean, honestly, I could even throw Gamble into that. Gamble is a kind of a finished product, you know? You watch him and you don't think to yourself uh, about any sort of mechanics or adjustments or anything like that. He's just a ball player. Gamble's just a ball player. I look at Reynolds much the same way. And if that sounds mean and unfair, not giving Eckstein any credit for those guys, whatever. Because I also saw a lot of players come to the Pirates or come up to the Pirates looking and feeling hot and confident and everything else, and then they'd go through a struggle. Now, that's normal. That's normal. Where the hitting coach, or in the case of the pitcher, the pitching coach, come in is that they provide that counterpunch. They lift you back up. They will all tell you, every last one of them on all 30 teams, that that is their primary objective. It's their primary reason for existing in that organization, is to create that counterpunch. So when you see John Nagowski, for example, shows up here, and he had been just clubbing the ball with AAA Memphis in the St. Louis system, Charrington scouts saw a lot that they liked in his swing. They felt he could be of immediate help, and what do you know, he shows up and he has one of the best debuts in franchise history for a newcomer. Short span, but it was real. He had kind of warning track power, but all those singles and all those doubles. And then he started to slump. And the moment he did, I remember saying to myself, this was actually out in San Francisco, that's it. He's done. Because no one here is going to pick him up. And sure enough, He's gone. Nagowski's gone. And, of course, not long after him, not that it, not that Eckstein was fired over Nagowski, but Eckstein was gone too. 
look at this much, much more, John, from a longer range perspective. The Pirates are looking to bring in a hitting coach who will line up a lot more with their own broader vision for the position and hitting approaches. Remember that Eckstein was one of only a couple holdovers from the Clint Hurdle coaching staff, along with Joey Cora and Justin Message. So it's there, there's there's a big change coming, but it didn't happen already. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I'll be back at the ballpark tonight for a sweep? No way. No way. 